Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Good morning, Brittany Bodie. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? I am good, besides that we are talking about a little bit of our lighting issues in both of our offices today, with the exception of that. And it is a sunny summer day outside. So I don't know what's going on in my office, but otherwise, fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's a weird day here. We've had like crazy storms through nighttime. And so our mornings are kind of off here. My dogs, the past three nights in a row, have woken us up at about 4 a.m. So Lots of caffeine in our house um, <laughs> this week. <laughs> How lovely for you. I'm having the opposite scenario. Usually I'm being woken up by a nine-year-old that's like, we have to go to school. Let's go. I want to do this this morning and this. And now I'm like, you need to get out of bed. It's time for camp. It's summer. So we are officially in full swing. No rules, no limits, chaos of summer at our house. Well, here's the thing. He's not even close to teenage years, and he's already, like, lounging in his pajamas still at noon if he doesn't have camp. So what is it going to be like when he's a teenager? That's what I really wonder. I don't know. I'm going to have to make him put pants on. I think that's the first rule is, like, what you're not going to do is, like, sweat on my nice white couch. Like, right now it's okay. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not going to have, like, a person who needs to wear deodorant sitting on that couch. (laughs) But – The structure is key in summer because it it is like, if left to their own devices, kids are absolutely wild. They do not want to do anything. They want to sit around and watch YouTube. He's watched so many like MLB videos, NBA finals videos. So it just, they digress rapidly. I can't name the amount of times and you're literally only what, a week or two in a summer, a couple weeks in a summer? Mm -hmm. Two weeks. This is okay. week two in the middle of it right now. Okay. Well, I can name a million times that you're like, Max, are you on the iPad? Give me that iPad. Like, and he's oh. like one of those kids that's always outdoors, always yes. playing, but like, you know, he's worked hard and now he's living his best life, just relaxing during summertime. That or he's like right off camera when I'm talking to a client just waiting and I'm like, what I need you to do is not breathe on my face while I'm trying to have a conversation with a client. I need you to exit my office. (laughs) Write me a note. You can write, you can read, you can do all of those things now. But I do love summer, you know, especially being in the Midwest. We live for this. This is the hundred days of fantastic weather. You really get outside. Everybody is constantly out in our neighborhood working in their yards going out, eating on patios. It is just the time of the year that we all consistently wait for. So I love that. I love the amount of people we see in winter. You don't see anybody in our neighborhoods. Everyone's kind of cooped up. But now it's like everybody's out and about. Yeah, we, we're we good right now. But once we hit like July in our market, it's like unbearable. If I'm not going to be at the pool in the lake like we don't you're not out hiking or doing too many outdoor sports in the summertime in the south because it's so unbearably hot at some point well i can see that and you know obviously that's for us in in winter we're we're hibernating while it's like that you know one of the things that's a staple for summer and obviously my husband is in the 
is in the ice cream business. So I've been hearing all of this stuff. It's cold in California. That's affecting my sales. It's cold here. We had a cold time. We need to make sure that everyone's out there having ice cream. And we have a concept that we just started working with that is so fantastic uh, called the Milkshake Factory. And I think the biggest shock to you and I was we expected to see month over month sales be just insane in the summer and because it, it came out of a cold weather market. And right. so we really expected it to taper off and there to be a lot of concern with our Midwestern and, and clients in colder weather, Northeastern clients. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is this appears to transcend people just staying in their homes and hibernating. Turns out people are going out for milkshakes 12 months out of the year, eight hours out of the day. This business is serving the public. And we have Carrie Tober, who is the VP of Franchise Development for the Repum Group and is overseeing the Milkshake Factory with us today. Thanks so much for joining us, Carrie. Oh, Sam, Brittany, thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you here. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are today? Yeah, well, um, I started in franchising officially uh, 14 years ago. So back in 2009, I had spent uh, a year at Fidelity Investments from 08 to 09. So if anybody remembers that time frame, it was a lot of fun to be in the financial services industry. Uh, came out of that summer and ended up working at a company called The Meat House. It was a butcher shop franchise out of the state of New Hampshire. Um, they made me a director of development. I will tell you, I had no clue what I was doing, but figured it out very, very quickly. And after about six months, they said, hey, listen, there's an opportunity in our marketing department. We'd like you to run that. And I stepped in and did that for about five years. It was a great experience at a very young age to be surrounded by some really, really talented C-level executives in the restaurant space. Um, we onboarded some phenomenal franchisees and I, I got the opportunity to work for the franchisor in serving those franchisees and, and understanding what they needed, what type of metrics they needed to perform and you know what the relationship looks like. Um, from there, uh, I ended up parlaying that into a career continuing in the meat industry. I went to Borshead for about five years, which is, is not a franchise, but it's a distributorship. So very similar in the way that the relationship works. Um, and I, I tell everybody, but I was, I was, I was, Kind of bored at that job so i spent a lot of time uh, researching uh, real estate and bitcoin was very popular at the time and franchises which is kind of where i came from and i ran into a, a franchise consultant similar to yourself and started working with that person and ended up uh, acquiring a multi-unit development opportunity for a fitness concept in manhattan uh opened one of those and you know everything was cruising with that until COVID hit right it was and it was a problem uh, but shortly before COVID, I, I had an opportunity to to join up at the Reppin Group, come on as the the first person on the sales side, and represent a fitness brand, and then another health and wellness brand, and then a fitness brand, and then a pet brand, and now we have a milkshake brand. And I couldn't be happier about it. We'd be returning back to to food. What a ride! Franchising yeah. is never linear. People always veer off, come back. You you go into sections of the business you probably didn't anticipate. And you're really surrounded by such an incredible team of leaders, of salespeople, of operations people. Repum Group has just a fantastic reputation in the industry. But today, I want to talk about a brand that you brought on that is 
really causing a stir amongst people in franchising. And I will say this, we're pretty hard to impress sometimes when you've been in this industry long enough and you have preconceived notions, you know, food and fitness and whatever it might be. This brand has turned that on its head. So could you tell us a little bit about the Milkshake Factory and the history behind it? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll build on what you said, because I think in our world, we almost have a bifurcation between food service and then all other franchises, right? I think there's 4,000 right. franchises out in the U.S. right now, and 50% of them are food, and we don't really touch them. Um, this is very, very different from that. And this is something that I think we're all very excited about to, to start bringing the smiles to these local communities. But uh, to your point, Milkshake Factory, I mean, what a rich history. And I know we have a time limit here, but this story is phenomenal. It goes back to 1914 when the family immigrated from Greece, uh, went through Ellis Island, and they ended up in, in Pittsburgh, right? They followed the dairy up there. Um, they were chocolatiers. That's all they knew. And so they went to Pittsburgh and started selling chocolate on the street corner, <laughs> saved up their money, bought a shop, parlayed that into a factory. And you know, by the, the mid-70s, they had about 200 employees working for them. Um, the, the matriarch of the family, the mother of, of the kids who started the, uh, the milkshake factory, kids, the, the, the family, uh, she started a chocolate shop back in the 70s. And, and the three siblings, they grew up you know, playing in a chocolate factory. It was literally a dream, right? Um, all three of these, these siblings are phenomenally talented. They ended up in, uh, in the early 2000s working for the, the Bush administration in the White House on the advanced office and you know, very well healed, very well planned, and very well organized. Uh, coming out of that, they started. Uh, they took their, you know, their mother's rich, rich history in the chocolate world, and started bringing that to some high-end retailers like Saks Fifth Avenue and Dean and Deluca. And as they're doing that, the Pentagon comes out with a request for proposal saying we want to put a chocolate shop inside this office building. Right, it's the wow. largest low-rise office building in the United States with thirty thousand people. So, you know, Crazy. they put a chocolate shop into the Pentagon. So they had the most secure chocolate in the world. And that gets, that gets picked up by a local magazine, right? The Washingtonian starts writing all these articles about how former GOP staffers are now slinging chocolate inside the Pentagon. And what do you know is a buyer from Costco says, hey, I'm interested in this. Would you come in for a meeting? They sit down for 30 minutes. It turns into three hours. And the three siblings you know, get in the car and drive back to Pittsburgh and start an R&D process which includes going to the supermarket and clearing them out of pretzels. You know, because <laughs> there's no there's no like place you go to to get the pretzels you want to try other than the supermarket and start messing around after hours. And they came out with a product you, you might have in your cabinet called Snappers um, or you know, chocolate covered uh, almonds, coconut almonds everybody seems to love. So they built their mother's business into a huge multi-million dollar CPG business, you know, in a, in a short period of time. Um, meanwhile, in the background, Dana Manitas, who's the, the founder of the Milkshake Factory, back in 2003, had rebranded uh, her mom's chocolate shop um, to the Milkshake Factory. The idea being, let's take the ice cream from the back of the house, put it in the front of the house, and let's make milkshakes because everybody likes milkshakes. And became a cult classic in Pittsburgh. You know, A little bit of a smaller market than I think we, we typically deal with, but grew incredibly well from uh, 2003 to about you know, 2014, 2015. And then PNC Bank was building a new tower in downtown Pittsburgh and said, we need a we need a local flavor here. We want you guys to to go in the ground floor. We want something different than you know a laundromat or a T-Mobile store, right? And <laughs> we want something that's going to impact our community positively. And they kept asking them. The family kept saying no. 
And finally, they, they broke down and made them a great deal. In 2016, that location opened. Um, I'd say, and, and I know we're going to talk about team, but the Milkshake Factory identified, you know, we need some substantial people on, on staff right now and went out and got some, you know, real top tier operation talent. And once they figured out what was going on in their two shops, they said, well, it'll be pretty easy for us to parlay this into a growth plan. And had some connections to the Pittsburgh Penguins, so they they leveraged those, and then over the next five years, and this this is through COVID too, they opened uh, nine more locations. So they proved out what I call accelerated market dominance, and and we have we have this brand with you know, in our world we we talk about our franchise disclosure documents and the financials, and you know what we can talk about, what we can't talk about, and you know we have P and L for each location showing profitability for the last fifteen months. So it's kind of fun to be able to take it from this rich history up to, uh, hey, we're ready to start franchising and impacting our communities in a, in a very, very big way. It's an incredible story. I mean, when I presented this to my client for the first time last week, that was the piece that I feel like I spent so much time on was just talking about the story. You know, they're not new to chocolate. They're not new to ice cream and milkshakes. Like they have tried so many different verticals and had a lot of success inside of building the milkshake factory. But for me, also meeting and hearing about some of the team. I mean, the, the founder is incredible. And then the team that she's built around her is really impressive too. Like I also started my career in food franchising and I'm super picky. I don't show a lot of things in this category. When people are like, I want food. I'm like, I might not be your girl because I don't love most food concepts because I know the nightmare. But then I heard why they're not the typical food franchise. So that kind of won me over in addition to the story. But then I also really love the team they put in place. So tell us more about that team. Yeah. So right now, great leadership team, three people. You have Dana Manitas, founder and CEO. Uh, I mean, what can you say other than this This woman literally worked in the advanced office for the White House? And, and that is planning out every single step that the president takes over a five to six years time frame. Um, I did uh, I did my research in looking at this brand. I found a picture of her actually working on a laptop in, on Air Force One. So pretty cool to be able to have that and the connections that she she brings to that. And then the thought leadership she brings, right? She is the matriarch of the family at this point, and it's so warm and welcoming. You walk into the facility, and I know you can see a snip of it in, in my background, but it's like a, a warm hug from an old friend. It just feels so great. Um, she surrounded herself with two other phenomenal people in addition to her family, but uh, Dan Reese, who came over, uh, he was the CFO of their chocolate brand uh, before they transacted. He's now the president of Milkshake Factory. Um, so this guy rolls deep. I mean, you talk about food food industry. He's Kraft Heinz guy. He was part of that uh, that merger for them. Oversaw a two billion dollar condiment portfolio. Wow. I always stop and think, like, what is two billion dollars worth? Okay. I always stop and think what two billion dollars worth of condiments actually looks like. It's a lot of ketchup and mustard. Uh, and this guy has real experience in the food service space, not just in the restaurant space, but in what it takes to get the product to market. And then they brought in this, this operator, uh, this VP of operations named Sean Smith. And this guy has phenomenal history in developing uh, SOPs. He opened a number of pizza locations, a number of what I would consider gas stations with big convenience stores attached to him. Uh, so we're talking hundreds of locations open and what I would call Sesame Street, simple standard operating procedures. Literally, I was able to make a milkshake on my second try. 
not your first try, but your second try? I needed a lot of guidance on the first one, but the second one I knew. <laughs> I, I actually worked in a restaurant that made milkshakes and the key is not pulling it out while that's still spinning because you will have it in your face, in your hair. And like, nobody tells you that, but the amount of times that I took a shake to the hair, to the face, all of those things. Oh my. <laughs> I, that's, that's what I can think of. I, I was not built, unlike the two of you, I was not built for the restaurant industry <laughs> whatsoever. There are, there's a lot of stories there, but when you get the hang of it, I'm, I'm yeah, listen, come, come to Pittsburgh. I believe in you. I will teach you how to make a milkshake. <laughs> Thank you so much. Nobody has said they believed I could make a milkshake since about 2001. So <laughs> I will, I will take that. And finding great people in the CPG industry is so important and in the food industry in general and expert level because, you know, since COVID, there have been so many supply chain issues. There are so many things to think about. And that industry in general is just so insular. My husband will talk about things and I'll be like, well, you know, he's overseas commercial side for his company. And so he'll say something I'm like, well, then you just need to get out there and convince more people that you have good product. He's like, yeah, for 2025, it's 2023. Like that's done. That ship has sailed. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting in Heinz. I mean, that name carries a lot of weight. So to have a company with 15 locations, having an executive from there, I mean, that speaks volumes, the people that they've been able to bring in. Now, in the course of their growth and all of the things that they've done, they've also partnered with Franworth, who has a great, really a great reputation in our industry. Can you explain what Franworth brings to this partnership? Absolutely. Uh, Franworth, so their executive leadership team is, is really, really talented. And a couple people come to mind. First of all, John Rachi, great leader. Um, and then Dave Kyle, who I had the chance to meet in Chicago about a month ago, uh, is the president of, of Franworth, and his, his background is in the food service space. So it was really uh, kind of shited to find out that he had come from the ham space, and I worked at Boar's Head, so we had a <laughs> conversation about ham. And then he's like, no, I worked at haagen and I understand the ice cream industry. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is a whole twist. And the reality of what it brings to the consumer is so powerful. Uh, now, Fran Franworth as a whole, they offer what I consider shared services to franchise brands. So, you know, you have people who are there working on on marketing, on operations, on franchise development, on on IT, on all the little things that a young emerging franchise really needs to support their growth, um, empowering them, and, and making sure that they're going to be very, very successful and have some of the best and, and brightest thought leaders in the franchising world, making sure that they're paying attention to the growth trajectory of this brand. Um, sorry. Go ahead. question. So I, I was going to say, um, I had an opportunity to do an, an entire presentation with the Franworth Group, and we, you know, over here at Rep, and we represent six of their brands. And when we got to the point where we're going to talk about the milkshake factory, I looked around the room and realized that the entire hallway had cleared out, and everybody walked into the room and packed it to the gills because everybody's excited about milkshakes, right? It's just such a cool concept that. I don't think we had on our radar before, but we're so excited to, to take this to market. And well, by the way, listen, these milkshakes are really freaking good. <laughs> they're really, they're the real deal. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have to be. I love that it can capture such a broad consumer, you know, anything from like your little ones all the way up to senior citizens and everything in between. Like who doesn't love a milkshake? 
we we walked into the Pittsburgh location on a Thursday night, and I saw twelve grown men huddled around a two top table, <laughs> sucking down milkshakes. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> it's a new bar. It's a new place for men to sit around. They were they were voted the best happy hour in Pittsburgh. One of their early marketing strategies was half price uh, shakes on Wednesday afternoons, and they literally got the vote as the best happy hour and the best best spot for a first date. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so cool. So you talked about you know Franworth and the support that they're providing, which we really love. You know, we're attracted to pioneering brands, but one of the things that Sam and I really look at is if they're pioneering, how are they going to still support franchisees? So having that partnership is great, but we'd be remiss not to talk about their other partnership, which is with Repum. So tell us more about that partnership and what role you and your team play. Yeah. So we, we strategically partner with young emerging brands and our whole goal is to help them grow across the um, and we've seen success in a number of different verticals. Uh, this is again the first the first short putt into the food industry, but I'm pretty bullish on this one. Um, so at our company, we have a, a great group of directors who, as you know, people come through and are interested in looking at the brand, the directors will give them an educational course on it, kind of show them some of the the things that they should be looking out for, even talk about some of the hooks and the hangers and the challenges that they can expect in in this industry, right? Food. Food is a little different as you guys. Um, we show them as best we can the numbers that we have available. We show them how to build out uh, model PLs so that they can be successful in their in their projections. And then we get them involved with the ownership group and the operations team so that they can get all their questions answered. Um, we have a discovery day once a month. That's our way of having people come in and try out the product. So that will be held in Pittsburgh, rain, shine, sun, shine. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess we're going to Pittsburgh once a month for a year now. Um, so we'll be there. We'll be doing a whole bunch of milkshake testings and tons of fun. So, um, and then I get the awesome opportunity to work with these great founders and their leadership team and all these wonderful candidates that have already started coming through. It's, it's just been a fun ride for the last couple of weeks since we launched this. I love that. Repum Group also helps. They have a segment, Build Em, that yeah. helps with the build out because that's where people get scared as well. Would you dig into that a little bit? Because location is very important with these businesses. Yeah. So how does how does Repim help milkshake factory franchisees find locations, build out, et cetera? Yeah, and and you're spot on. So pretty commonly the people I work with, they've never done a commercial development before, right? And it's not something that you can associate to, hey, I'm buying a house. It's it's not residential real estate, it's commercial real estate. It's completely different. And a lot of times if you don't Quite know what you're doing. You're not going to get the best deal. You may not know how to put together a, a letter of intent or tenant improvement dollars or negotiate the rent, um, let alone oversee you know, the project management and construction and what it takes to actually procure all the things that you're going to need to get your franchise open and operating. And what Buildum Group does is they come in and they start way at the front with the real estate, the site selection. They're actually helping you through the LOI and the lease negotiation making sure that you're getting the best dollar uh, value for, for what you're, you're leasing. And then they're overseeing the entire construction and project management piece. And they take it a step further, which I think is great because they've been able to contract with some major um, resellers of things like signs and flooring and lighting, and we're able to procure those at a better rate for the franchisee. So it's, it's really nice to have somebody walk in that path with you as you're opening your first location if you've never done this before. 
having that support definitely is really important for these franchisees. We've made a couple of comments now between the three of us about how like this isn't food franchising. So I want to dig into that more with you. Tell us how this is not your traditional food franchising model. Yeah, great question. So when when I get the call that said, hey, we have this concept, it's called the Milkshake Factory, it's in the food industry, I literally was like, you know what you're doing. Because <laughs> as soon as I heard food and refrigeration, I'm like, there's the price is going up, right? The build out is going to be ridiculous. But the reality is, is this is not the same sort of a build out that you're going to need from a restaurant or a commercial kitchen. Um, in some areas, you may need to have some sort of drainage or a grease trap, but the reality is, is you're not going to have any hoods. You don't have any heavy equipment. You're not heating anything. You're literally mixing that sauce and making milkshakes and then putting it into a three spindle. And like Sam said, just trying not to get it on your hair. <laughs> so, and, and what they've done too, to elaborate on that is when they started, you know, maybe 15 years ago, uh, they had 50 something menu items. They've brought that down to 22 different menu items. And they've really engineered the ice cream process in-house. So, you know, they, they don't have multiple flavors of ice cream. They start with a vanilla base and they add in inclusions and syrups to be able to get all the flavors that they, they could potentially even make. Basically re-engineered the, the ice cream development process in-house. So. That's so smart because keep it simple, stupid is probably some of the best advice I've ever gotten. <laughs> so I can see that. So we know the milkshake three is fantastic. We understand, I think now after listening to this, why people are so excited about this inside of franchising and soon to be across the United States. Yeah. But when you have a fantastic concept, when you have a story like this, you are very selective about who's going to join you. And I think it's really important to get the right people as franchisees, especially those first franchisees coming in. So who are you looking for? What type of person should be a franchisee? Yeah. So the type of person who should be a franchisee is somebody who has no fear of going out into their community and wanting to leave it a better place. Right. What, what I have seen through this brand and what everybody will see as they come and look at this brand is you stand inside the four walls of one of these locations and you look out and you watch customers walk in and they are smiling as they're walking and all you have to do is give them a milkshake and keep them smiling as they walk out of the, of the store. And if that warms your heart or makes you feel good, that's that's going to be a good fit. If you want to go, and, and Dana did this. We went to go see a, a Pittsburgh Penguins game. Literally paid for parking with chocolate. All right. So if you want to be <laughs> the chocolate lady or the milkshake man, like this is the brand for you. You're going to love the community. Um, the other piece of that, I mean, leave out the fact that, you know, we like candidates to show up on time and be financially qualified. Those are two keys. But uh, I think also, you know, as a young emerging brand in this in this food service space where we do have some distribution constraints that we need to work with in, initially is we're looking for multi-unit operators, right? People who can come into a location uh, in a market and do three to, to six off the bat, if not a little bit more than that. This is, this is custom critical for day one to be able to make sure that that product's landing in that market efficiently. Yeah, having that economy of scale inside of a market, not only from a supply chain standpoint, but I think of a staffing model standpoint, having that GM that then can kind of become the regional person and being able to to leverage some of those resources for franchisees is huge too. Yeah, and they've done a great job with that. They partnered with Cisco Emerging Markets, which gives us access to 76 distribution 
teams across the country, and that's you know Cisco's way to buy into young emerging, not buy in physically, but give them the buy in to these young emerging brands to to be able to get them to that scale, and then eventually have them in their portfolio. Um, you mentioned staffing, probably one of the toughest questions we have to answer. Like, yes, there are a fair amount of employees in this, um, but what we found is these guys provide a very inclusive environment. People love working keep the shifts relatively short. It's a great place for your first or second job as a teenager. Uh, we do compensate our managers relatively well, and there's a growth plan for everybody who wants to be in it. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard food, I was like, okay, supply chain, big overhead, hoods, ducks, grease, not interesting to me. Um, how do you find these people? And then you're like, okay, we do small footprint. We have this partnership to be able to control supply chain issues. We've brought on people that are franchise experts and food experts. Like it was like, check, 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 which I love. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun to do that because again, it takes me back 13, 14 years to be in the, you know, in the food space and going to these executives on day one and saying, well, I have these 10 really important questions that need to be answered. Yes. <laughs> yeah. questions that I'm going to be asked. So these are the ones we need to figure out. They yep. nailed every single one of them. For sure. For sure. So Sam mentioned earlier, um, some little bit of advice, you know, keep it simple, stupid. So I want to hear from you. If you <laughs> had to give us some advice today, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received that you could share? Uh, so my mentor, he, he, uh, he passed away about a month ago and, and I just, you know, you asked me that question. It's, mind and, and he, I think of him a lot lately and, and he's very dear in my heart but um, what he always advised me was make sure you're entering the room with the right foot forward and um, I remember flying home from his funeral and, and thinking about that while I was on the plane and I'm like wait did he mean the actual right foot or was it the correct <laughs> so I, I, I'm just going to go with right foot forward but um, I always think about that every time I walk into a room for you know, people that I got to go talk to or even you know, walking through the threshold of my door to, to jump on this call with you guys today, I wanted to make sure that the mentality was there, the energy was right, and we're excited to go. That's great advice. I love that. You definitely put the right foot forward with Thank this you. brand. It is a very, very exciting one. You know, franchising is interesting. We started this call by saying it's not linear and you have people float around and you invest in different franchises and you help people invest in different franchises. So what's your personal and compelling reason, Carrie, for staying in franchising, for continuing to come back to franchising for the last almost two decades? Yeah, I, uh, I love it. So I, I love the fractional partnership piece. I love the influence that you have. It's unlike any other business when people take their hard-earned money and invest it into somebody else's business. There's a huge responsibility that goes along with that. Um, and then the the real piece, which is the financial component. And I, I take this back to my mom and I driving to school in the morning, um, probably similar to you and Max. Uh, you know, at 13 years old, my mom would drive me to school and we'd talk about like what I wanted to be when I was growing up. And I mean, I was, you know, an entrepreneur at 13. I was a DJ. And yeah. I, I knew everything, right? I learned from her very quickly. You know, there's there's two ways to make a million dollars, right? And you can get one person to give you a million dollars, or you can get a million people to give you one dollar. And when we would drive to school, you look around and you see Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's and Planet Fitness, which started in my hometown. And those are all franchises, right? And they're all fractional pieces of that. How do I get that one dollar from a million people? But what do I get for that one dollar? It's just a huge impact. 
So there's nothing like seeing a small emerging brand grow to scale and be successful. Watching the founders have success, watching the entrepreneurs who come into the space have success. It's, it's super, super powerful. It is. It's the best feeling because especially you in a leadership role, you are helping your team of directors find success and changing their lives. You're part of that. Then the franchisee, you touch the consultant and have an impact on our business and you get to touch the franchisor and have an impact there. So it's really special what you do. And we just appreciate your time. And we're really excited about this one. And the team behind it is phenomenal, both at Repum and at the Milkshake Factory. So thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing more about this incredible brand. Guys, thank you for the opportunity. We should, we should go get some milkshakes. We should. We're coming to Pennsylvania. All right, let's go. <laughs> so if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting. Or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com, to take your free business assessment. Mm -hmm.